Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hammer and Rails podcast. We now own a bucket. I'm Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And we are here. We're going to take a look at uh, the upcoming Purdue basketball game against Florida State. And, of course, we are going to cover the Purdue victory over Indiana. How uh, about the Milers? You know, I knew that was going to happen at some point. I just didn't know when. So I, I just way early. Yeah, I wasn't ready. I'm getting yeah. in on it. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. But uh, so that put, put Purdue at eight and four on the season. Now we just await word on the bowl game. Uh, but before we get started and get into that, Casey, I have a question for you. This one is Purdue sports related, so uh, awesome. it should be relevant. And uh, I hope you are ready. I'm ready. Just just a quick little question. Am I? You doing all right there? You you sound a little yeah. under the weather. Yeah, well, when you have a kid in daycare, they invariably bring you home every version of every germ since the 1920s. I'm amazed I haven't had smallpox at this point. Uh, but, you know, we're hanging in there, got a stuffy nose, uh, had a little bit of a sore throat, but that seems to have gone away. So uh, we're hanging in there. I just sound a little raspy and, and it's stuffy. Yay, kid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right, here's my question. So Purdue obviously trounced Omaha. Uh, Trouncing! I mean, it was just Omaha didn't even really deserve to be on that floor. I hope they got a boatload of money for coming to Purdue and getting embarrassed like that. Um, and we all saw that Duke beat Gonzaga, and Purdue was number three, both number uh, one, number two. I know. I know. Number one, number two, and number four all lost. Duke was number five, and they beat number one. New rankings come out tomorrow, so I have a two-part question. Yep. Will, will Purdue be number one? And does it matter? Okay, the second one's easy, and you know my answer. No, I hate ranking. It's a bunch of people that maybe watch. Uh, they have probably are actually familiar with maybe five of the teams that they're ranking. It's Even for media, it's impossible in college sports to cover that many teams well and know them. And it's definitely impossible when half the polls are coach-related. Those coaches have to watch a lot of films on teams they're playing. They are not watching a random you know, Purdue game like... 
even a fan would. No, polls don't matter. They're stupid. You know I hate them. Uh, I think the dialogue around them is annoying. None of it matters, especially... It matters in football because it gets you into a national title game. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter in basketball. Uh, do I think Purdue will be number one? Probably not, just because of timing. You if, think Duke's going to jump them? I don't... I guess... <sighs> I, I don't. You sound know. real confident. You're real I, confident. I well, here's the thing. If, if this would have happened the same week that we would have beat Villanova and North Carolina back to back, I don't think there's any doubt we're number one. But people have already forgotten about that upset, and the only game Purdue has on their docket is a game against Omaha, which no one cares about. So I, I was pretty confident that if Gonzaga lost, that we would be number one because there seemed to be this narrative that we're really good. But then we kind of fell away for this week because we didn't have a game worth. So 50-50, it's I, – I guess I'll say yes, we'll get the number one nod. I, I hope you're right. I saw a lot of people – when I posted this on Twitter, a lot of people uh, jumped into the mentions and said, you know the media is going to rank Duke number one. It's Coach K's last year. Everybody loves Coach K. It's Duke. Big name brand. They just won the big game of the of the week, um, and they're going to leapfrog us from five to go to one and – Maybe even Gonzaga will go down to number two and we'll be at three. Um, and I think there's maybe something to that. I think it makes a little bit of sense. But at the same time, I, I think I think it's a pretty good shot that Purdue gets the number one ranking. It is something Purdue has never had. Purdue has never been ranked number one. And I'm going to disagree with you because I do think these rankings matter. I agree with you that they are arbitrary and often stupid and not well-informed. Uh, I can't argue with that because a lot of times it's coaches' secretaries who are doing these ballots and – you know, you just you, – you see a bit of a, like a crowding effect where, oh, everybody else says Team A is good, so I better rank Team A high up on my list. But I think it matters for recruiting. I think it matters for program perception, and I think it ultimately matters for NCAA tournament time because it – and you are right. It does matter more in football, but when a team gets a high ranking in the preseason and, you know, they carry that over, if they have a really good season – they'll still be highly ranked. Whereas if a team is not ranked at the start of the year and they have a, a similar season, they'll be ranked, but they'll likely be ranked lower. Um, and again, it points to the arbitrary nature of the rankings and why you don't like them, but oftentimes that's just the reality. And uh, as, a, as a Purdue fan, as someone who's never seen Purdue win the NCAA tournament, I want every freaking advantage I can get. And so I want Purdue to be as highly ranked as possible. I don't care what poll it is. I want them at the top. Okay. I think college basketball is a little different animal than football, even in anything like that. Our entire program is the name of Matt Painter. Nothing else matters. And I don't think a number one rating changes that. I don't think it changes recruiting perception. Uh, you know, the Chris Foreman will be able to make some really cool graphics if we're number <laughs> And I guess uh, I'm sure it'll be good for social media. It's never bad to be, you know, in the headlines for something like that. So I don't think it hurts. Obviously, like it's good, but... At the end of the day, if we're number one this week and we're not in the Final Four at the end of the year, it's not good. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're right uh, on that account. But at the same time, I want the damn number one. I, 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 I get wanting it, and it would be really cool to see. It would be strange to see, and it, it would put a target on us for sure uh, just because of that perception that do we really belong right. as a number one team. But I, I want to push back a little bit against the whole – you know, little brother syndrome that we tend to have. And like, oh, the narrative is all going to be about Duke. I would say I'm fairly locked into the media narratives during the offseason, college basketball in general. You're pretty locked into. I know you have you know, other things. We both read a lot of stuff. Yeah. Hear a lot of stuff. I would say there was more of a narrative about 
this is the year that Painter has the team, then there really was, yes, there's the Coach K parade. But I hadn't heard nearly as much stuff about this as being the Duke team. Yeah, me either. Like, yeah, I would I, say narratively, we have been more favored, and we were in the polls to start the year, than Duke. Yeah, I honestly didn't know they were going to be this good. I had not read as much about them. I knew it was obviously Coach K's swan song, his last season at Duke. It's a whole whole big deal. Um but I didn't think they were going to be this good. Uh, and maybe they aren't this good. I, I mean, say, and that's the thing. Up. It's early in the season. I, if um, anything, this is more of a doctrine against, oh, Gonzaga is unstoppable. Yeah. Which was absolutely the narrative that overrode the entire off. Yes, yes. It was going to be Gonzaga was number one, and could anybody beat them? Right. It, it, you know, it's the media does this every, every year in the offseason. They they anoint some team who, who did well the previous year, and they've got everybody coming back. They say, well, this is going to be the team to beat next year. Could they go undefeated? Right. You know, there's always the, oh, could they be the, the first team since that team down south to go undefeated and, and win the whole thing? Well, you know, they've got the talent, blah, 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 but um, it, it never happens. Uh, college basketball is wild and crazy. Everybody's going to lose. Everybody's going to have ups and downs. So – I think it is obviously too early to say anything right now. If Purdue gets number one ranking, that would be great. But I, I we need them to do well throughout the rest of the year because I want a good seed come NCAA tournament time. You know, I've seen Purdue have a number one seed in my lifetime in the tournament, and we didn't get to the Final Four. I've seen Purdue have much lower seeds uh, get to the Elite Eight, not get to the Final Four. So obviously the, the higher seed, the top seed is going to be a lot easier, and that's what I want. I want the easy well, easier path to the final four. That's what I want. And this is a step to getting there. Yeah. I, I think it's underrated how much a one seed matters in the tournament. Yeah. But these rankings don't really matter, but yeah, we need to perform well enough to stay a one seed. That's yeah. what matters. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully we can play every game like we played against Omaha and then it shouldn't be a problem. Hold our opponent to 40 points and then just breeze right on through. So there we go. That's our discussion on rankings. Uh, we're not going to really touch on the Omaha game because it was just a laugher. I mean, complete blowout. Uh, so after the break, we're going to talk about the basketball game. But first up, we're going to talk Purdue IU. Uh, Purdue manages to trounce IU 44 to seven, set IU down for a two and ten season. 0 and nine in the conference did not win a single game, uh, and they paid their coach roughly five million dollars for that. But now so, they're going to pay him less. And now they're going to pay him less. Yes. For those that do not know, uh, <laughs> IU fired their offensive coordinator or else demoted him. I wasn't sure on the statement. Uh, uh, fired. I do believe. Let okay. Go. Okay. I couldn't tell if he was being like moved let back go. to quarterback's coach, but uh, so they, they let go of their offensive coordinator and they're restructuring Tom Allen's contract. And he has taken a $200,000 pay cut, presumably so that they can bring in a high paid offensive coordinator. But it's still a weird look for your program to just say, uh, I'm going to fire my offensive coordinator, and I don't feel that I deserved my salary. Here's $200,000 back. It's very weird. It's it's kind of annoying because in general, like that that's like a good narrative. Like, I didn't earn this much, so I'm going to take it out of my pocket, and we're going to go get someone. Like, yeah, whatever. but. But as a rivalry game, trouncing them so bad that. They, that we force our rivals right. coach to take less money is way more fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you look at it from our perspective, right. it is very funny. We trounce them uh, so bad that the OC is gone and the coach realizes he's not worth what they were paying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, I Discount know. Discount Tom Allen. <laughs> 
and I know with the salary he's making, obviously $200,000 to him is different than $200,000 to you or I, but $200,000 is a lot of money. Let's not pretend it's not, no matter how much you're making. So that just had to have been a weird conversation. Like, do you go home to your wife and be like, you know, I'm thinking of giving up $200,000? <laughs> like what? I don't, I want to know how that conversation goes. I, I, uh, I'm sure the conversation in the athletics department, Hey, we need help. We need a real offensive right. coordinator. And, okay. Well, you're making 5 million. We should probably have an offense regardless. All right. I'll take a little less. Let's, All right. Let's, fine. let's move this money over there. I just don't want to get fired. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Purdue, like, actually I want to, I want to give Casey credit because when we did our last podcast, he said, uh, I expect IU to score on their first drive. And then after that, they'll kind of sputter out. I think you had them with 14 points overall. Um, but, you know, you were dead on. They looked great on their first drive. Uh, you know, that's probably a product of being able to script those first few plays. Uh, and they know what they're doing. They really have those down. Uh, Purdue defense looked a little shaky on that first drive. They allowed a touchdown. And then suddenly after that touchdown, they could do nothing. They were blanked for the rest of the game. Uh, Purdue defense really tightened up. There was a lot of penalties in the game. Uh, we almost gave them a, a field goal. Uh, they kind of gift-wrapped them, but they, they hooked it left. So... IU held to just seven points, which was under their Big Ten average. Uh, they averaged just over 10 a game. Uh, so Purdue, 44 to 7. I was impressed with the offense. Uh, Aiden O'Connell had another great game, 26 of 31 for 278, four touchdowns, again, no interceptions. So, I mean, we just can't say enough about the way AOC has really turned the game around, turned his season around, and, uh, you know, not just his play and his season, but the entire Purdue offense. I mean, he's had an all-time end-of-the-season stretch yeah. for Purdue. Uh, it is just an absolutely bonkers stat line that it, he probably didn't get enough credit because of how poorly he played the first couple games of the season, the fact he didn't start to start the year. But the way he finished, uh, there is rumors now that he will come back, which you have to say would be priority number one for Coach Brom right now. Like, yeah, yeah, it'd be, you got to throw a full-court press on him. you got to pretend you're recruiting him all over again. Yeah, we said everything we said, but at this point, that's your guy, and you have to feel really good about your offense next season if he's coming back. Just got better and better as the year went along. That gorgeous touchdown pass to Jackson Anthrop was like fourth read. Our yeah. offensive line has oh, been yeah, shockingly good. Just well, it's been it's been really it's been two years in a row where the line has improved dramatically throughout the season. And I guess that's a testament to the offensive line coach, maybe the strength and conditioning coach as well. But I know two years ago, we were very concerned about the offensive line. They got better. So that's why we thought coming into this season, they might be a strength. But of course, we had all those offseason retirements and injuries. Um, so to have the offensive line improve as they've done throughout the year has really been a godsend. I mean, they still have trouble with run blocking, but, you know, they've given the quarterback plenty of time back there and as a pass first offense that's really the most important aspect of what our line can do yeah and it's been a really clever way that brahm has called plays when he does want to take deep shots it's usually not just five linemen going up against the defense usually he calls some kind of play action or misdirection to get the pass rush into advent advantageous numbers on the offensive line just been really impressed with the entire just design of our offense the last four to five weeks so i there's not many times – it's been a long time since Purdue football has looked this good going forward, and it tastes a little sweeter coming off the tail of just whipping your rival. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the first time Purdue's won eight games in a regular season since 2006, um, and 
they've got a chance to win nine. We don't know the bowl game. We don't know where it is. We don't know when. We don't know the opponent. So we'll obviously give you more on that when it happens. But to go to your point about AOC finishing the season, did you happen to see uh, the tweet that Purdue put out regarding his last five games? I did. I was trying to find it to quote the tweet. I, and I can't, I can't yeah, find I got it, it if you've got it. I got it right off. in front of me. So for the last five games of the season, AOC was 169 out of 221 for a completion percentage of 76 and a half. He had 1,860 yards, 16 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. That's mind-boggling. Yeah, incredible. Uh, I mean, if you would have told us at the beginning of the year that that's what he was going to do the last five games, I don't think either one of us would have believed you, especially the zero interception. No, it, it was not what he showed at the start of the year, and I don't know, whatever, whatever groove we got in, whatever change in our offense that neither of us are smart enough to diagnose – it worked. He is executing it flawlessly, and I look very forward to watch a full season of AOC orchestrating this offense. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like he was playing every game against an IU. You know, the last five games were at Nebraska versus number three Michigan State at home, at Ohio State versus Northwestern at Wrigley, and then at home versus IU. So while IU, yes, very bad, it's not like any of those other teams were really, really patsy. Uh, they do all have some talent out there, and to have no interceptions versus teams ranked number three and number four at the time in Michigan State and Ohio State is pretty dang impressive. So I think kudos to AOC. I mean, he blew us all away um, throughout the last last half of this year, and to get him back would just be would just be huge for the team and something that I think, like I said, it has to be Brahms' number one offseason priority. You got to recruit him like you've never like you've never recruited anybody else. I mean, to have the quarterback position settled for this Purdue team that they haven't had a settled quarterback position in, God, you know, a half dozen years uh, would be great. It would be huge. Set the whole offseason in a good path. Yeah, because we already know we have talent around him. That was probably King Doru's best game of the season. He yeah, four rushes really good. for 49 yards. Uh, every time he touched the ball, he looked like a playmaker. Uh, we, I mean, we're losing Bell. We know that. We'll lose a lineman or two, but... We have a lot of talent around on the offense, and we had an offense that gave pretty much every team a problem that we faced in the back half of the season. And with the Big Ten in this landscape right now, that West is open every year. Yeah. I mean, we are a we were Wisconsin. One, we were one game away from winning. Yeah. A Minnesota last-second loss away from, you know, tying for a win for that division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, like you said, we are – we don't know for sure that we're losing David Bell, but we know for sure we're losing David Bell. I mean, the yeah. guy's going. Uh, he went through senior day. Uh, I wouldn't expect him back, and quite frankly, I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't well, I mean, I'd love him back, but it's selfish uh, because he will make a ton of money hopefully on Sundays. So we want him to go to the league for his sake. Um, we're losing Jackson Anthrop. Uh, he's, I think, of retirement age, so <laughs> he is able to to start collecting Social Security, and uh, we have no more Anthrops. Um, but. <laughs> You know, Milton Wright really turned it on at the end of the year. T.J. Sheffield had a great game, three yep. catches, 31 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, we've got all the tight ends. Uh, Paul Fieri had his his uh, first touchdown, I believe, uh, of the year. And, we, you know, we've got the weapons on offense. We've got a decent slate of running backs. We're going to have uh, the, the transfer from IU will be eligible James. next year. Samson James. And we've got a, a good set of receivers, and we've got more that are coming up from the back. So... I think the offense is going to be set. We're going to lose some folks on defense, uh, including, we again, it's one we assume George Karloftis went through senior day. 
so we assume he's not coming back. Would love to have him back on the team, obviously, if he wants to. It's certainly up to him, but I think nope. it would be dumb for him from a long-term no standpoint. Uh, I mean, you got to go uh, when the uh, getting is good, and when somebody's going to pay you millions of dollars to play a game on Sunday, you take that because you can always come back and get a degree. That boy is going to turn some heads at the combine. Yeah, uh, he's just a freak of an athlete. I His return six, the way yes. he just shot down the field after grabbing the ball, that's going to be on highlight tape when he's you know close to a top 10 pick. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think if you put him on you know any defense in the NFL where teams can't simply focus on him all the time, you're going to be amazed at the numbers he puts up because – as good as the Purdue defense was, teams knew that George Karloftis was was the big unit. He was the big gun. So you got to double team him. You got to do everything you can to keep him away from the quarterback, keep him out of your backfield. But in the NFL, you're not going to be able to do that to simply one guy because everyone on that defensive line, or if he gets transferred or uh, converted into a linebacker, everyone on that field is going to be a danger to them. So you can't just focus on one guy like teams have against Big George. Now, and Purdue has a good track record at defender. Uh, generally, they're not that high of draft picks, but they overexceed their draft pick almost every time. Yeah. Uh, multiple linebackers that have made an impact that are playing, you know, every down for some of the better defenses out there. Purdue defense usually succeeds in the NFL, and he is as talented as a defensive lineman that we've had. So, yeah, it'll be yeah. fun to have some impact boilers in the NFL again. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be exciting. Um, I love watching Purdue guys play on Sunday. Love seeing them succeed because, again, I mean, it goes back to kind of what we were talking about with the rankings. It it reflects well on Purdue as a program and what they can do with players, especially if they come in, you know, not as highly ranked and then they wind up having long careers in the NFL. That's always great for us as well. Yeah, but, and, and you got to hope that with Brom here, you know, they're building a culture. Those players will stay around. And, yeah, we have an offense right now that is showing that, hey, you succeed here. You're going to get noticed in the NFL. Same yeah, I mean, Rondell, Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore is the uh, example of that. So, um, well, I mean, we're, we've got the bucket back. We're thrilled about that. Uh, not much else to say. Uh, really happy with the crowd. Uh, second sellout of the season. We're going uh, bowling. Very, un- very unusual for Purdue. Yeah, we're now going bowling. we got to wait till uh, all the games are played with the championship weeks because it's going to depend on who gets in the playoff and – how the Rose Bowl shakes out. And then, of course, for the Big Ten tie-in bowls, you know, they go down like a pecking order. Um, there are certain rules they have to follow on who they can pick and when they can pick them. But we don't yet know where Purdue will go. But as soon as we do, uh, we will record a podcast, talk about it, and get a look at the matchup. Uh, one of the rumors today was that Purdue would be playing Auburn in the <laughs> zero interest guarantee bowl or God knows what. Uh, but uh, no thank Isn't you. the Music City Bowl? No, it's not. I don't think it was that one. Uh, there was there's some like more one that's backed by like a mortgage company, I think was what it was. But uh, either way, I do not want to play Auburn. So let's avoid that uh, at all costs. So uh, we obviously will have more of that when we get it. But for now, we're going to take a break and we're going to look ahead to the Florida State Purdue game, part of the Big Ten AC Challenge. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager. Are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. 
And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. All right, and we are back. And as promised, we're going to look ahead to the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Purdue versus Florida State seems like the team we always play in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. That is coming up this Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. on ESPN, The Mothership. Uh, so, Casey, I understand you found uh, a website or a stream or something where you could watch Florida State's most recent game in all of 11 minutes. 11. Uh, it was YouTube. Well, whatever. I don't know where it was, man. <laughs> I didn't get the details. The secret URL of YouTube. I, whatever. Just tell me It's a me cool hit know. video service. I'll, I, I'll link you. I was going to say, send me the link afterward for this YouTube you talk about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've just been watching a little bit of film on them before the podcast. Uh I think the biggest thing you can say is they're a Florida State team. <laughs> well, dynamite information. What else can you give us on that? If you're familiar with uh, Leonard Hamilton's team, they're always very athletic, very tough, very long. They are a team that thrives and absolutely needs turnovers. To they are one of the uh, best teams in the country at forcing turnovers. They force a turnover on 27% of possessions. That's ninth best in the country. Oh, wow. And... Uh, they've been, you know, relying a lot on Malik Osborne on the offensive front. Uh, Osborne is a big six nine wing, uh, plays a little bit of a big man for him. He has been shooting the ball lights out, sixty four for sixty four percent from the field, sixty four percent from three. He is twelve re- or twelve points, almost eight rebounds. Uh, pretty much Florida State doesn't have a go to guy. Uh, when you think of their offense, they've got some guards that are crafty. They, it's a very Everyone kind of gets the ball. They're athletic. They see where the mismatches are, and they just try to drive and attack the hoop. Uh, everyone is long, quick, rebound. They cut hard, especially back screen cuts. They try to attack, attack, and attack. And they play one. Of, they're one of the deeper teams that we have played. They have my math real quick. Yeah, they've got ten guys that average double digit minutes, and they they are a team that just wants to press getting passing lanes, this this is going to be a Trey Williams because they're not going to wait around for our bigs to beat them down low one-on-one. They are going to triple team, double team as soon as our big guys get the Okay, okay. So, I mean, what do you expect out of Trey Williams then against this Florida State team? Ten assists. Oh, wow. All right. So I, I think there's a couple things to look at. It, it'll be interesting to see how Edie responds to that because for the most part, it, teams try to double him, but he's so big. And for the most part, the defenses we played have not been good. I think our collective... I mean, Villanova, Villanova was pretty good. They are good. Um, I would say they're more disciplined than they are chaotic and causing problems down low. They don't have the best athletes in the most length everywhere. And they were a little more prone to just kind of let him beat them in situations they were... Florida State is just going to double every time. I throw bodies everywhere. I think this is going to be a really interesting game to see how much Sasha Stefanovic has grown up, especially on the defensive end. This is the kind of team that can that have given us problems by being athletic and really getting into our guards and disrupting their cuts, not leaving them space to get open. So is Sasha able to, A, defend the ball one-on-one, the dribble, 
And can he get shots against a team that's going to be in his jersey the entire game? Yeah, so this kind of goes back to what you talked about with Sasha, I believe, in the offseason um, previews, because Sasha made his made his shots against bad teams last year and struggled a bit more against good teams. And this is the kind of game where we need Sasha to hit those shots and we need to see if he's really taking that next step to improve in these big games against big time defenses. Um, he's played well so far this year. He played well against North Carolina and Villanova. Um, but it sounds like you're telling me this Florida State defense is kind of a different level. And so this truly could be quite the challenge for uh, Stefanovic on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I think it's been encouraging this year how quick he's gotten shots at different angles. He knows what he wants to do with the ball as soon as he gets it, whether it's attacking, whether it's shooting, whether it's setting someone up. His assist numbers have been very impressive. It, it's just going to be an interesting game because Hamilton coaches his teams. If they see any weakness at all, any blood in the water, attack. If a weak ball handler is carrying the ball up into the right side of the court, for instance, they're going to trap him. They're not going to hesitate. They will double. They will full court press. They will get on our ball handle. Yeah. How do yeah, we I handle remember, that? I remember we played them in the uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge back in 2018, and Purdue was number 19 at the time. Florida State was number 15 at the time. We were playing this game at Florida State. Um, we ended up losing by one, but I just remember their defense giving us fits. Uh, I, I feel like we had a lot of turnovers in that game, but – uh, I can't remember precisely, but I just remember being very frustrated with how we responded to a pretty intense Florida State defense. So uh, it sounds like that a not not a lot has changed for them as far as how they're going to attack us. No, and that was actually a 2019 game, and we had 20 turnovers. Hey, this says 2018. I'm looking at it right now. It was a 2019 season. Well, yeah, but a, <laughs> a college basketball season goes over two calendar years. Yeah, but you always use the second number. Cause you're not... Yeah, but it's the... But it's the 2018 ACC Ch- Big Ten Big Ten ACC Challenge because it always happens in November. Sure. Slash but, December. But it was the 2019. Regardless. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We I'm turned right. the ball over 20 times. Okay. So yes, it was very bad, and yeah. we still only lost by one. We missed a lot of free throws late. That that was another Ryan Klein free throw. Oh God, just nothing but flashbacks. Yeah, um, it wasn't great. So. I mean, obviously, we've got guys like Edie. We've got guys like Williams. Uh, does Florida State have anybody who can, you know, handle them offensively or defensively? They do not have a seven foot four guy. Okay, good. They have a strange roster construction. They have a lot of guys. Uh, well, usually, yeah, I mean, Ken you Palm, like you have guys double digits. I mean, that's crazy. Ken Palm, you usually have somewhere between like twelve to thirteen players, and that's if you have a couple walk ons play. On on Ken Palm's thing, they have close to seventeen players oh wow i'm not sure how that works yeah do they have some walk-ons on there yeah but they have a lot of them so they have three seven footers on their roster um john butler has played the most he's a true freshman he's played 33 percent of the minutes uh they have another guy tanor nagam who's seven two he's played 18 percent and Naheem McLeod, who actually, never mind, I lied, he is seven foot four, and he's oh, wow. played 16% of the minutes. Okay, so they must not trust him very much, though. He, he maybe is a little raw. Right. They have not played much. Uh, all of them are on the thinner side. You don't see many beefy boys on Florida State, uh, but their main rotation, you know, it's a bunch of, they have no one under 6'4", on the, so their guards are pretty big. It'll be interesting to see how Isaiah Thompson, for instance, plays against that kind of size and pressure, but yeah, we, it is a team that they are not big guy oriented, but they have a lot of tall athletic wings. So it'll be interesting to see how Edie's pace plays against them because, you know, he, he once he gets the ball and holds it up high, generally he 
however much time he needs to get to where he wants to be is good for him. But they are going to swarm him. Can he get close enough to the hoop right away to attack it? Can he draw fouls? That'll be interesting to see. And on the defensive end, can he stay out of foul? Pretty much everyone on Florida State can handle the ball and attack it. They're going to put pressure on all of our guys to defend one-on-one. They don't really rely on a pick and roll. They want to get the ball in the wing one-on-one and attack it. So let me ask you this. So we, we've talked a little bit about their roster construction, who they're going to play, what they're going to do on defense and offense. What do you think Purdue needs to do to walk away with a victory in this game? Not turn the ball over. Uh, we are, you know, as we've shown, our ability to make shots beyond and inside the arc. We're the fifth best three-point shooting team in the country. We're the fifth best inside the arc shooting. We just have to get shot. We can't give away. We can't give away baskets and let them get into transition because that's what their offense depends on. They want to get out and run. They need those easy baskets. They are not a good half-court team. Every time we put the ball in the basket, their offense is at a distance. We have to play smart. We have to be patient. We have to find space for our big guys. And we just – we. We need to keep it under 15 turnovers. I feel like that's doable for this team. Right. Uh, you know, especially when they're locked in. Uh, you know, they could get a little sloppy in, in games where it's in mop-up minutes. You know, you throw out three walk-ons or four walk-ons along with Caleb first, and things get a little squirrely out there. But I don't see that happening in this game. Um, I think Purdue and Painter himself is is familiar enough with the kind of team that Florida State is to really have this team ready uh, for the defense and be able to to keep the ball and under control because I think you're absolutely right. Not turning the ball over is going to be the key because as you said in that 2018 game we turned the ball over 20 times, still managed to only lose by one. But I mean j- the number of turnovers was just maddening in that game and I don't I don't see this Purdue team getting anywhere near 20 turnovers for this game. You would hope not. So far to the season, our ball handlers haven't really been challenged. You talk about Villanova, that's our best defense we've played. Those guys aren't physically imposing in the backcourt. That's not the type of team they were. We haven't really played that yet. Even North Carolina, those guys don't jump out at you as long, athletic, aggressive, physical defenders. This team is, so it's going to be the first time that, you know, Hunter, Thompson, they're going to get punched in the face. Sasha, how how do they respond to that? Or maybe, you know, is Jaden Ivy enough to overcome if they do struggle? Because he's the one guy that... It, he's he's been turnover prone. You know, yeah, I'd like absolutely. to see him not do that as much. But at least, you know, when he's turning the ball over, it's usually because he's being aggressive and attacking. And there's something a little different than that than, you know, turning the ball over just because you can't handle it. So it's going to be a, can he get some help in the backcourt? And then is Ivy enough to single-handedly at times beat that press defense, attack, create more opportunities for players because you know they're going to double, they're going to attack him, they're going to look to swarm him. Can he be smart and get the ball out early and find open? Yeah, it seems like you know you you are probably Jaden Ivey's number one uh, cheerleader uh, that I've encountered. So I, I think if he's going to really make the next step and really show that he's ready for the NBA, he's ready to go, I think games like this where he's going to face a ter- – a tenacious, ferocious defense that's going to trap him, that's going to swarm him. Can he make the heady play? Can he make the right play? And that doesn't always mean, you know, taking it yourself and driving to the hoop. It means looking around, knowing the situation, and finding the open defense or open player. Uh, because as you said, he's he's probably going to be doubled quite a bit, and they're going to be swarming him uh, when he has the ball. So he could really show a lot in this game, and I think he could make a huge impact. Yeah, but I I, I think the biggest thing we're going to go to, which is kind of a a good way to ice the defense that wants to be aggressive is getting Trey the ball instead of in the post and not even quite at the corner, but about three steps outside the post on the wing and letting him back his guy down to where he can see the whole court. And if you're going to double there, you have to commit 
early and hard, and you are leaving an open guy for the best passer. That's what I was going to say. And then we, of course, know Trey is going to be able to find the open man. I mean, I know we didn't want to talk too much about the Omaha game, but the behind-the-shoulder pass he had to Caleb oh. first was just a thing of beauty. Uh, I mean, two guys converge on him. He, I don't even know how he saw first right there. Guy must have some of the best peripheral vision in the game. Just slung it around his shoulders uh, to first for a wide open dunk. You, I mean, it was just. Do you incredible. know what it is, Ledman? It, it's not that you see first. It's that he feels the defenders. Yeah. So he knows there are two defenders now, and all of a sudden this is where the open space is, and we've seen a mind meld already with Caleb first. This is what we envisioned in the off season yeah. after watching first play in the U19. He's just in the right spots. Um, he's way more fluid than what Mason Gillis offers and way more explosive at the rim. And he's just there for these easy dunks after Trey clears the entire paint. Yeah, it's been a thing of beauty. So uh, I think that's probably enough about Florida State. We're really looking forward to the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Hopefully the Big Ten can notch a win. Um, it's important to note that this is going to be um, not the last non-conference game because the the way the Big Ten does the uh, regular season now, it's kind of you play a couple games, then you go on break, and then you come back. But following this Florida State game on Tuesday, the Big Ten season begins as Purdue plays Iowa uh, at home on Friday, December 3rd. So Big Ten season will be well underway uh, by the end of this week. So there is just one more thing that kind of happened as we were recording I wanted to mention uh, today is the NCAA Women's Volleyball Selection Show, and for those that don't know, uh, women's volleyball does it a little different. They don't rank every team. They only rank the top 16. Uh, there are still 64 teams in the in the tournament, but only the top 16 teams are officially seeded, and those are what they call the national seeds. Purdue was given the number six seed, nice. so that means six sixth overall. Um, we were the second Big Ten team. Uh, Wisconsin was number four. Uh, Louisville who uh, Purdue played earlier in the year and got swept by uh, Louisville had an undefeated season and they are the number one overall seed. They have not yet released the whole bracket. So I don't have yet who Purdue is playing. Um, but number six overall, I believe is the best the program has ever had. Uh, so that is another step in the right direction. And hopefully we see who Purdue plays. They should have a few games at home and hopefully that'll set them up for a nice run in the postseason. Very exciting. Uh, that is a talented, talented squad. And, you know, if Purdue men's basketball can't do it this year, women's volleyball is probably the second best bet to bring a national title to West Lafayette. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Those games will be fun to watch. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they will be easily available somewhere to watch. Yeah. And, yeah. That's the problem. I mean, it can be uh, on ESPNU. Sometimes they're on the ESPN plus when they get into later rounds, they are often on ESPN two or ESPN, but I'd really love to be able to see the whole entire tournament on national television and not have to scramble and find some random uh, channel that I'm not even sure if I get. So really looking forward to see who they play and really looking forward to Shondell's team and seeing what they can do uh, in this tournament. So really looking forward to that. Um, so, I think that's going to do it for us this week. We're going to look forward to the Florida State game. Um, with no football uh, coming up this weekend, I believe we're still going to do a midweek pod. We're going to talk about the Florida State game and look ahead to Big Ten Conference season. But, yeah, we got Iowa on Friday. Yeah, I mean, we got we got the Big Ten starting, but it might be a little bit different. Uh, we'll see. We'll play, we might play around with the format a little bit and then uh, get it ready. Uh, for you for a Big Ten season that we hope is going to be pretty dang exciting for Purdue. So uh, for Casey and myself, thank you for listening. Casey, I'm going to let you take us out on the second one this time. How about them boilers? <laughs>